portion of what you blessed us with, so that we might, that the church, so that the church might continue spreading the gospel around our community and around the world. And so we ask your blessing upon these gifts. We ask your blessing upon each giver. And we want to trust in you always for all that we need. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As far as announcements goes, uh, there are just two. One is that the men's Bible study, you probably have seen that either online or on Facebook or in the announcements here. But the men's Bible study is going to resume again this Tuesday morning at 9. Um, Bring your mask, your Bible, and a sense of humor and a thick skin. Because Bill's going to be there. Right, Bill? Yes, sir. (laughs) We have a good time. We poke fun at each other when we laugh and we study the Bible. And uh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. The other is that I would encourage you to continue to wear your masks. Um, it does not seem like we're getting a handle on this virus. Both nationwide and in, in Illinois, the cases continue to go up and up and up. And so we ask you to continue to wear your mask in and out. And uh, I tried wearing it while I was singing. It wasn't the best, but, uh, but there have been a lot of people that had to sit in front of me before, and I know that they're thinking, I wish he'd put a sock in it anyway. So, you know, it's kind of like a muted trumpet. Think of it that way, if you're wearing your mask while you sing. Okay, It's a different sound, but it's a beautiful, mellow sound. Laura, where are you? Oh, oh, there she is. You've sat in front of me. See, I can't wait for you to hear me with my mask on. It'll be, it'll be so much more mellow and, and yeah. Don't count on it, but I will try. But anyway, we do encourage you to wear your mask in and out of the building and, and while, you're, we're not, while you're not able to social distance. I think we're all distant enough when we hear Steve speak that uh, we can probably take it off during that time. And Steve, you look like you're ready to preach. I better get out of the way. Well, if you have been... Around here the last few weeks, you know that we've been talking about uh, beautiful harmony. And uh, what are we talking about when we talk about beautiful harmony? We're talking about each of us as individuals in the church kind of coming together with our own note, if you will, and uh, blending those together to just lift up and sound A and lift up the name of Jesus. As a church, we come together and we make that beautiful music of expressing who Jesus is and trying to share that to the best of our ability with the community. And uh, we've been talking about, if you were here last week, why would we do that? Why would we evangelize? Well, it's an act of love. We talked about that. And it's um, the right thing to do. And it's also, it gives hope to people when they know who Jesus is. So I'm going to ask that you will bow your heads one more time. We're going to pray, and then we're going to launch into today's message. All right, let's pray together. Father, again, you are good, and you love us, and you care about us. And you don't want us to run from you. You want us to run to you. And so we surrender our lives to you and we ask that you will help us to forget everything that takes place during this morning service except for exactly what you want us to know and hear and apply to our life so that your kingdom will be known. We ask this in Jesus' name and amen. If you've been paying attention at all, you know that uh, some of the schools are starting to announce their return to learn plan, and uh, they're letting some uh, districts know that uh, some of the kids are going to be going to school on Monday and Thursday, 
And then other kids are going to be going on Tuesday and Friday, and everyone has the opportunity to stay home and learn online on Wednesday. Some districts are doing that, kind of dividing up the classes, and they're going, uh, there is group one, and there is group two, that's kind of a, there is an us, and there is the them, and, and maybe you've noticed that uh, there is going to be high school football. Uh, go football, right? And there is going to be high school football that's coming up, and uh, we know in a community like this that the bleachers all fill up on uh, Friday night, except for this year, because there is going to be football, but you're not welcome there, right? There's no going to be football, but no one is going to be allowed in the bleachers. Have you heard that? Have you, do you know that already? Am I letting you know things? You think, okay, I'm just saying things you don't even care about, right? All right, well, there's the reality. That's what's going on, is there's going to be football, no one's going to be there. Uh, maybe you've noticed they've done that with NASCAR and baseball and golf, that uh, the, there, there are the players, and then there are the fans. The fans aren't welcome, and uh, you know, there's the ones that can do, and then the ones that spectate, they're, they're not going to be uh, there. I think it's going to be a little bit interesting when school does start, because uh, I believe that we all would have to admit this. We know this is true. Uh, eventually, there is going to be someone in the school who has been exposed to the virus. And then maybe that particular student or child is going to have to go home. I don't know exactly what they're going to do there. Uh, they're going to have to go home and maybe self-quarantine for a while. But then will that person be welcomed back into the school afterwards? Because, well, they might have that thing, right? And uh, will they be welcomed back? And uh, it seems like it more and more and more, even with the politics there seems to be more of a, uh, there's an us and then there's a them. And, you know, they're the good and, and they're the bad. Or we're the good and they're the bad. And we are the clean and they are the unclean. And that seems to be more and more and more around us all the time. But here's what I want you to know. You have a bulletin. You should have a bulletin with you. Hopefully you have something to write with. And so write this down. I want you to know this this morning. Jesus invites everyone. Jesus invites everyone. No us and them. Jesus invites everyone. Write that down. Jesus invites. Okay, so a couple of, three weeks ago, I kind of lose track of time here. Um, the Sunday morning that uh, I was not able to be here because you allowed me graciously to go and be with my mom. It was on the morning that my dad passed away. Um, you had the privilege of uh, watching a Tony Evans sermon, and, uh, and that was up here. And Tony Evans is one of my favorite preachers, and I uh, have uh, had a couple of opportunities to see him live. One of the times I, I was able to kind of uh, sit and listen to him preach was at the Los Angeles Coliseum in Los Angeles. And uh, there were some 60,000 uh, men there. That's the same Coliseum that the 84 Olympics, the opening ceremonies was in. And I think 70 or 80 years before that, there was Olympics that took place. And, and that was the place. And, and uh, there were um, uh, all these guys, and we were all there. And our goal, our desire was we wanted to learn how uh, to be, you know, a better godly men. And we wanted to learn how to be, uh, you know, better godly fathers. And we wanted to learn how to be better godly husbands. And uh, Tony Evans got up there, and he was kind of the keynote speaker. And he preached a fiery sermon, and it was fantastic. And halfway through the thing, he just kind of leapt to your feet. And, you know, go God. It was so incredibly awesome to be in that place. And uh, I, I, I kind of wonder sometimes. If Jesus were going to be starting his ministry now, instead of 2,000 years ago, as he did, if Jesus was going to be starting his ministry now, 
I wonder if he wouldn't go to the Los Angeles Coliseum and just kind of fill it up with a bunch of people that wanted to please God and he would communicate to them, you want to know how to be a better father? Here's what you do. You want to be a husband? Here's what you do. And he wouldn't speak to that crowd. Well, we don't have any recorded evidence that Jesus ever spoke in a coliseum like that of any kind. But we do know that he would go to a, go into a boat and just kind of push away from the shore a little bit. And you know how that, that voice and that sound carries across water and up the side there and he would communicate that we also know we also know that uh, jesus would go into the temple he'd go into the temple courts he'd go into the synagogue and guess who was there the most religious people the people that were like go god the people that that really wanted to please well did they really want to please god or did they want to look good in front of other people you know because what we learn is that when jesus would go into the, the temple court, or when he would go into the synagogue, he was talking to the most religious people. But often, what was he communicating to the most religious people? He was communicating to them, hey, uh, I know you're giving it your best shot. And maybe you think you're doing this right. And maybe you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, but I'll, let me tell you what God really desires. And he was actually kind of going to the most religious people, and he's saying, oh, let's get this thing back on track. And And there were other people that Jesus would go and talk to. And uh, Luke, the author Luke, he he wrote the book of Luke, and he also wrote Acts, and uh, he was a doctor, and he was detail-oriented, and and he tells us in the book of uh, of, uh, Luke, book of the Lacks, there you go, there there you go, you combine them together, and maybe, maybe we should just do that, we'll rename them. Lacks one and lacks two. And so uh, here we go. Uh, in the book of Luke, in the book of Luke, Jesus, in the book of Luke, we find uh, Jesus is uh, making his way and he's going to be communicating uh, to some other people. Luke chapter seven, be on the screen here. Uh, starting at verse 36 says this. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at his table. Who were the Pharisees? You know, that's the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were the most religious people, Right. They were the ones that they were dialed in. They were, they were the ones that, uh, you know, they knew the Lord's Prayer. Not, well, not really. That would be today's generation. We would, we would say that about the, the most religious people, right? And uh, they were the ones that, uh, uh, you know, they, they knew what God wanted. And, and so the most religious people, Jesus went and dined at the house. One of the most religious people invited Jesus to go there. But then Luke continues, and he tells us this about that occurrence when Jesus was there with the most religious people. He said, verse 37, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Luke is a detailed writer. And so when Luke takes the time to communicate that this is a sinful woman, most scholars believe that she was a sinful woman, that most likely she was a prostitute. In my first ministry after Bible college, I worked in the town of Victorville, California. 
Uh, back in the day, it was known as the methamphetamine capital of California. And uh, the church that I worked at was down at the corner of 6th and B in downtown Victorville. And it was not uncommon, uh, even on Sunday morning after church was letting out and all of the good religious people were kind of making their way home to be able to look down the street and, and you would see the prostitutes that were working on the street. And uh, there were enough of them around and I was working down there and it came to a place and point in time when uh, the truth is, I was on a first-name basis with some of the prostitutes that worked around there. And uh, sometimes you would see a prostitute kind of block down the road, and you would think to yourself, well, you know, she's very attractive, and she's dressed very provocatively, and she's uh, seductive, and, you know, all these things. And you'd see her down there, but then as she would make her way closer to you, and you'd make your way closer to her, and you begin uh, to have a conversation with her, it was very clear by looking at her teeth that she was on meth, and you would look at her skin, and you would see that she was on meth and her hair and that her fingernails were all cracked and broken and her hands were dirty because she probably slept under a bridge the night before. And Luke says this woman went to find Jesus. I don't know her story, but I would imagine that when she was a little girl, she never thought to herself, when I grow up, this is who I want to be. I bet her situation and her story was very, very difficult. Perhaps she grew up in a very abusive home. Perhaps she was molested as a child. Perhaps she was abandoned. Maybe her parents died in a horrible accident and she was left all alone and there was some guy that came along and said, well, you, you need to get by, I can help you do that. Maybe she had a boyfriend that uh, was a little bit older and told her that she was everything and until she was pregnant and then he went on down the road and she was left to raise a child all by herself and she had to do whatever she had to do in order to provide for her child. Truth is that you and I can probably relate to some of the emotions and some of the feelings that she would have had in her life. Feeling of guilty, or something that she had done in her past. Maybe feeling lost or confused or angry or broken or bankrupt or abused. And in that state of mind, she saw Jesus as someone who would accept her. Jesus was there with the most religious people, and she knew Jesus was someone that would accept her. 
Verse 38, the story continues, and it says, As she stood behind him, Jesus, at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissing them and pouring perfume on them. She was broken by a pure, accepting love she had never known. She had probably known many, many men in her life, but she was broken by a pure, accepting love from a man that just looked through all of the other stuff and communicated to her through his words to others and through his demeanor that he was one that she could approach and let her guard down in every way. Well, the story continues in verse 39, and now we hear from some of the religious that were there in the home. It says, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, this woman at Jesus' feet, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus knew that she was a sinner. Jesus knew all about her. The very religious and the righteous wanted to blame the woman for the situation that she was in. They wanted to say, well, she could pick her up by her bootstraps, and if she'd just get her life together, and she wouldn't have made those poor decisions, if she would have listened to her mom or listened to her dad, and she would have done things a little bit better, then she probably wouldn't be in that situation that she's in. And if Jesus really was a prophet, he would know that he should have nothing to do with her as well. What did Jesus say? According to verse 48, Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Let go of all of your baggage. Let go of feeling guilt about something in your past or your loss or your confusion or your anger or being broken or bankrupt or abused. Let go of all of that and sit at the feet of of the Savior of the world. It's okay for you to be here, even if the most religious don't think it is. It's okay for you to be here. Why? Because Jesus invites everyone, and Jesus wants you to know that you are wanted and you are needed. Write this down in your bulletin. Jesus invites everyone. Write this down. You are needed and valuable. Write that down. You are needed and valuable. That's who you are. You are needed and valuable. There is not an us and a them. There is only the needed and the valuable. In the book of Luke, again... Luke records that Jesus told some stories. In uh, Luke 15, Jesus tells kind of story after story after story. And the stories, uh, you've heard the stories before. There was a shepherd and he had 100 sheep. And all of those sheep, and normally they were protected in the flock. There were walls that were around them. And they were the righteous sheep. And they were the, the sheep that had been paying attention to the shepherd and tended to the shepherd. And they were the ones that were there. And one of them wanders off. And you know the story. 
Jesus, the good shepherd, leaves the 99 behind and he goes off to find the one that is lost. And when he finds the one that is lost, he picks it up and he puts it on his shoulders and he brings it back. And there is rejoicing when the one that was lost is found. Jesus tells another story. He says, even within the confines of the house, there was a lady that had many, many coins and she lost one of them. He's looking around the house and going, oh, it's got to be here somewhere and begins to dig and to search and to dig and to search and to dig and to search until she finds the one that was lost. Then the Bible tells us there was rejoicing in heaven because the one that was lost was found. And you are needed and you are valuable in the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to put some pictures up here. <clears throat> First of all, uh, what animal is that? Elephant. Okay. And so here's the question. What do you call a group of elephants? Herd. Okay, you call that a herd. All right, what's this next picture of? Lions. Okay, what do you call a group or a collection of lions? Pride, very good, very good. You guys are good. Okay, what's this next picture of? Cheetos, right? Okay. Uh, and so what do you call a group of cheetahs? You call a group of cheetahs a coalition. A coalition. A group of cheetahs is a coalition. All right. Uh, what is this? What do you call of those? And all of those that uh, are familiar with the King James Version of the Bible? No, you're not in going in the right direction. You call that a pace. A group of donkeys is a pace, okay? And what are these? Crows, crows. What do you call a When you get a bunch of crows together, what do you call that? A murder, a murder of crows. Okay, what is this next one? Vultures, vultures. What do you call, what is the, what's the official title when you get a group of vultures together? Really, what's it called? A committee, a committee. Any of you ever been on a committee? That's what that's, that's what that's called. And so here's the next question. Okay, so what do you call it? What do you call it when you get a group of believers together? The Apostle Paul tells us what it's called when you get a group of believers together. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says this. It says, just as a body, there's your answer, just as a body, though it has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And so when we come together, believers, Christians in a group, we are called a body. Here's a body. And um, right here, check a look. The body has 11 systems within it. I'm sure that all of you know that. You've memorized these things. It's, this is simply review, right? And so uh, there is the circulatory system. And what part of that is that moves your what around? Blood. There you go. Very good. All right. Uh, this is the uh, digestive system, mm-hmm. uh, right? And, it's, and the, uh, uh, the endo, what is it called? The excretory. What is, oh man, that means sometimes it's good if some things just leave. That's what that means. 
That's, that's literally, okay? Uh, there's the endocrine system, uh, that's your hormones. There's the uh, exocrine systems, that's your skin and your hair and your nails and your sweat and all of those things. There is the immune system, and, and aren't you glad you have one of those, especially right now? And some of those are being taxed more than others, right? Muscular system, and just kind of look up here if you want to see a fine example of that. Oh, yeah, there you go. Some of you are slow. Uh, and now you're seeing what the nervous system looks like. <laughs> yeah, okay, did you hear what he just said? All right, uh, the renal system, right? And the uh, reproductive system, the respiratory system, the skeletal system. We have all of those different systems all within us. Just, this is just an absolute side note. It's not even in my notes, but I just feel like compelled to say this, okay? Who wants all of those systems to work well? Who wants any one of those systems to shut down, right? What's crazy to me, there are people that genuinely believe that that came about as a result of a cosmic accident. I don't get that. I believe there's a God who has created us. He has created us and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that, that was just kind of a commercial break there. That's, now we're going to go back to this. And we, we are the body. We are the body. And we come uh, together. And here's what the Apostle Paul says about the body of Christ. He says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21 to 27. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the Head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. The righteous, I dare you to raise your hand if you think you're in that category. The righteous cannot say to the unrighteous, I don't need you. The saved cannot say to the unsaved, God invited everyone, and he says, you're valuable, you're needed. And he says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Who wants to get rid of any part of the body? None of us do. We already have admitted that. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, treated with special modesty and he's talking about the body of Christ while our presentable parts need no special treatment but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked verse 25 so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part. We need to make people feel welcome in the body because Jesus did. Jesus invites everyone. Today, you matter to the body. And there are people in our community 
that need to know that they matter and have a role in the body of Christ. But here's sometimes what happens. Anybody in here ever take a nap? Some of you are saying you have never taken one. Okay, okay, well, good for you. That's not me. And uh, you ever take a nap? And uh, or maybe 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 it's not a nap. Maybe you've just been sleeping all night long. And uh, and you ever wake up and your uh, your arm is asleep? It's kind of tingly. And uh, you ever wake up and maybe your foot's asleep and it's kind of tingly and, and you're kind of going like this and you're kind of looking at, I have one perfectly good hand and one that just doesn't seem to work right now. And you're kind of rattling that thing. Or you step up and it's kind of like, oh, oh, right? And, and you're looking down and you go, my foot is asleep and oh, man. And, and you just want it to wake up so that it will function as well as it was designed to function. Sometimes in the church, people need to wake up and function as they were designed to function. And not to be the tingly, prickly, oh man, no, no, we've got to walk around that, but to be the foot that can run the race to win the prize, to hand off the baton. And to be strong. A couple of takeaways from this morning. Number one, if you've been sleeping, this is your wake-up call. There is not a us and a them. There is only we on earth and Jesus invites everybody and we have a job to do and we are to go out and let them know that no matter what their circumstance is, we don't blame you for the circumstance you're in. We invite you to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's who we are. We are followers of Jesus. One more thing is uh, you may never know the impact you have in the body of Christ. We all have pieces and parts inside of us, and really we have no idea what they do. We just know that they're there. And some of the pieces and parts, they say they could take out of us and we could still be okay. And, and But we don't really want to lose any of those things that are there. And so maybe you feel like you're a part of the body and you're not quite sure what your role is. Love Jesus, live for Jesus, promote Jesus, tell other people about Jesus, and live in a way that you demonstrate him because it makes a difference. Uh, for about 10 years in Earlham, I was a bus driver, school bus driver. And, um, you know, all I wanted to do was be a happy, uh, fun bus driver. And uh, there was a little PA system when I got to get on there and it could talk to the kids in the back of the bus. And, and so I tried to do this uh, phrase of the week with them. And, you know, I would say something, they'd have to yell back at me and stuff like that. Uh, okay, only when I was completely stopped. Well, maybe not, but, uh, um, but uh, you know, I tried to have fun with those guys and, and things like that. And sometimes the kids would get in trouble on the bus, and then I'd have to go in you know, and talk to the principal about these kind of things. And, and, and over time, just being the bus driver, just being the bus driver, over time, my phone started to ring. And it was parents. And it was parents that would say, uh, Steve, uh, this happened at home and so when my child gets on the bus, maybe that's something that you would need to know. And other times, I would call parents and I would say, hey, uh, did you see this or that or recognize this or that? And then over time, just being the bus driver, not being Steve, the preacher, one of the religious guys in the front, but being the bus, just 
trying to be a Jesus guy on a bus, communication started to take place. And relationships were built. Not with everybody, but there were a few moms that I would get a text from, and they would be asking me, how do I deal with this situation? They were single moms, and their, their kids were brats on the bus a lot. And they, but she's reached out to me, and I was trying to help. Just you never know what impact you might have when you simply take on the role that you have in the body and live for Christ. I had the privilege yesterday at my dad's visitation as um, several people came by. I don't know how many people were there, but I'm guessing 150 people or something might have came by. And it was a joy for me to hear story after story after story about my dad. And he helped with this and when I was a kid, he taught my class, and he got after me in class, and you know. And sometimes he, I even heard stories of get after him really, really hard. And later, he had to go back and apologize to him because, and, and you just never know the way you might affect people when you live for Jesus, and we have that role to play in the body. Listen, uh, talk about us and them. I'm just going to ask you to pray for something. Why don't you pray for something? Why don't you partner with me in prayer this week? Talk about us and them, and they're different, and they're not here. And I'm going to do something. I hope it doesn't make you uncomfortable. Um, but uh, uh, next uh, Saturday, uh, I have the mighty, awesome privilege. I cannot wait. It's going to be so fun. Right down here at the Muddy Waters uh, uh, dirt bike track. Any of you guys been to the Muddy Waters dirt bike track before? Uh, so there's races that take place down there in Muddy Waters. And uh, dirt bikes are something that I've had a passion about for a long, long time in my life. And I get the mighty awesome privilege of next, uh, next Sunday morning at 8.30 in the morning, I get to go down there and... Uh, uh, Dave said, yep, we're, we're going to have the uh, chapel, uh, chapel service for all the riders that are going to be there. And so there might be 150 dirt bike riders there. And, um, and when I'm kind of up there doing this little thing that I get to do, I'm going to invite them to come to church. And so uh, maybe there's going to be next week. Uh, wouldn't it be awesome if some stinky, dirty dirt bike family came in here wearing their motocross boots and their dusty, dirty shirts, and they came in here and they were like, I liked what that guy said down there at the thing. Let's go find out what this Jesus guy is about. Wouldn't that be awesome if they came in here and they just kind of plopped down and they, and they just kind of smelled like uh, a high-octane fuel or two-stroke and, you know, they were dirty. It would be awesome if they were here. Do you feel that way that it would be awesome? I don't know that that's going to happen. But I know I get to go and I get to preach to some people that have never, never, never heard a preacher get up and tell them about Jesus before. I'm excited about that. And I would ask that you would just begin to bathe that in prayer. I get to do my part. You get to do your part. There's people there. The dirt bike track. There's people down at Tuggers on Saturday night that think they're too dirty to be around Jesus. It's our job to let them know that they're not. Let's pray. Father, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you love us and you accept us. And sometimes we look at people outside of this place and we think they're dirty when the reality is we can all look in the mirror and see dirty people. You love us. You want us to draw near to you. 
Father, equip us and help us to reach out to others that don't know you so that they too may know the love of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we ask. Amen.